God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Gail and I will always remember the summer we went to Poland to see the best preserved of the Holocaust sites. Uh, thanks to our friend Rabbi Charles Sherman, uh, we had a connection through New York City uh, that enabled us to have a guide with a car meet us in Warsaw. Uh, we had one day in Warsaw to see the sites there, and then our guide drove us to Majdanek, where we spent the rest of that day. He drove us on to Krakow early the next morning, and we spent the rest of that day. And on the next day, he took us to Auschwitz in the morning and Birkenau in the afternoon. And the next morning early, he put us on a train bound for Berlin. When we met him in Warsaw and got into this tiny little Eastern European car of his, he started coughing on me, and he coughed on me for four days. So when I got on the train to Berlin, I had a sore throat. And by the time I got to Berlin, I was feeling miserable. I had so looked forward to this second trip to Berlin. We had been there in 1988 when the wall was still there, when one could not go through the Brandenburg Gate, when one could not walk down Unter den Linden, the beautiful trees that my old professors had told me so much about. And now I had a cold, and it was 96 degrees in Berlin. They kept saying, it's never this hot. It's never this hot. Well, it was that hot when we were there. It was 96 and it was miserable being so hot and having a cold. We got on a train. The leather seats smelled as if they were new. A new train with air conditioning to ride down to Wittenberg. And when we got off at Wittenberg, we had to walk into this little village where Martin Luther had lived, had written, had preached 500 years before. We were booked into the best little hotel in, in Wittenberg and it had no air conditioning. It was still 96 degrees. We finally coaxed them into letting us have a fan that we could sleep under at nighttime. But by the second day there, we had seen a notice in a public place saying, All who want to sing, A mighty fortress is our God. Be present at the church at 6 o'clock this evening. And we went to church. And we stood in the small chapel of the church where people had first sung Eine Feste Berg, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, said those words came to him after he had read again Psalm 46. 350 years after Martin Luther, a woman, Katharina von Schlegel, read this same psalm 
And the verse that spoke to her that sort of jumped off the page was verse 10. And she wrote a poem that would become a great hymn of our church. In our hymn book, it's set to a tune of John Sibelius. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Two very different hymns. A mighty fortress is our God. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on your side. Let's take a look. First thing I underlined here were all these references to nature run amok. Did you notice? We will not fear though the earth should change, mountains shake, waters roar and foam, mountains tremble. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of that city. We know now that the Middle East is the place where three great plates of the earth come together. You have the European plate, you have the Asian plate, and you have the African plate. And where these great plates bumped up against each other, instead of the land being forced up, the land was forced down. And the Jordan River Valley is the lowest spot on the planet Earth. In sea level, in elevation, it is the lowest spot on the planet where these great plates came together and the land was forced downward. So that the Jordan River flows from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea through that low, low part of the earth. It is a place that has known earthquakes, volcanic activity, storms, uh, violent explosions in the Mediterranean, the Aegean seas there, uh, the Greek islands thrust up out of the sea from volcanic activity and so on. A very troublesome place to live because of all the things that happen. Sort of like Tornado Alley. Understand? And this ancient poet says, I will not fear. I will concentrate on the God who's in the midst of the city where a river runs. Now, the only problem is that Jerusalem doesn't have a river. No river runs in or out of Jerusalem. This is symbolic language, as we have also in the last book of our Bibles, the book of Revelation. It speaks about a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, like a bride, our Christ, bringing the new Jerusalem, and out of the new Jerusalem, a river, not violent like the sea. Not with mountains tottering, spewing fire and smoke out of the top of them, but calm, peaceful, beautiful, life-affirming. There's a new movie out called Under the Same Moon. It's a story about a little boy, five, when the story really gets underway, nine, when the most dramatic events occur. His name is Carlito. He lives in Mexico with his grandmother. He has a mother. Her name is Rosario. Rosario decided when Carlito was only five that if she was going to be able to provide for this son of hers, she being a single mother, she needed to get into the United States of America. And so she managed to get across that border illegally on into Los Angeles, California, and to find work there. And for the next four years, she sent money faithfully back to her mother and to Carlito. But this grandmother who looks after this little boy, five all the way up to age nine, you can hear her chest wheezing sometimes when she breathes. You can hear her coughing, coughing. And if you've been to lots of movies, you know that means the grandmother's going to die. 
she's going to die. And this little boy finally understands that his grandmother is dying. And he decides that he needs to go and find his mother. And the movie is about a nine-year-old child leaving Mexico to go across the border into California and try to find his mother among all those people who live in Los Angeles. The title of the movie is the, is the clue. Under the same moon. She has told him that when he gets really lonely and wants to see her more than anything else in the world, to go outside and look up at the moon. And she will be looking at the same moon. We are under the same moon, she said. And this ancient poet is saying, though fire and smoke spew out of the top of a mountain, though mountains should break apart and fall into the sea, and the sea waters foam and roar, we are under the same God who makes still and beautiful rivers, life-sustaining waters come into our lives. God is in the midst of that city, the poet says, and we Christians, our earliest mothers and fathers of the faith, decided that the locus for God had moved from a city to a person named Jesus of Nazareth. Number two, second problem this poet sees, the warring nations. Remember that the Bible says at one point, in the spring when kings go out to war, people that were bored to death just decided to go fight somebody, go take somebody else's land. And this poet knows about that. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. The I am, who I am, makes wars cease, breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the shields with fire. Why is there so much violence? You and I, individually, can do very little about the big wars of this world. Not much you and I can do about that, but we experience anger and hostility. We read in our own newspapers about a teenage girl who stabs another teenage girl to death. We read about rape and murder. We read about people shooting each other, about armed robberies, about household domestic violence, about a two-year-old child who dies in St. Francis Hospital. And the police are sure somebody beat that child. Somebody killed that two-year-old child. Violence. Violence in the world. And this poet says we need to focus our attention upon the God of Jacob. Israel's God desires peace, that all war cease and there be peace. When you get to my age, one reads the obituary columns. I used to laugh at people who read obituary columns. Now I find myself reading obituary columns. And it's amazing how many times I read something about somebody I know and how many other times I read about somebody I wish I had known. You know that we are losing more and more of that World War II generation all the time. And two weeks ago, there was another who died. His name, Jacob Deshazer. Jacob went into the Air Force after Pearl Harbor was bombed in December 1941. 
our western coast felt so vulnerable to the Japanese Air Force and Navy. If they could hit Pearl Harbor and Hawaii that hard, maybe they could hit San Francisco, Los Angeles just as hard. It was important for our war effort to show that Japan was also vulnerable. And the man who was given the big job of trying to show the Western world that Japan was vulnerable was named Doolittle. Doolittle was told, we want you to bomb Japan. The USS Hornet got as close as it could, and then these B-25 bombers took off from the flight deck of the USS Hornet. There was no way they could go all the way to Japan and drop their bombs and get safely back to the USS Hornet. So after they had dropped their bombs, they flew on into China, hoping they could find a safe place to put down their planes. But in fact, the plane Jacob was on could not find such a place, and the pilot said, we'll have to bail out. The crew bailed out. This part of China was already occupied by the Japanese. He and the crew with him all captured. He would spend the rest of the war in a concentration camp in Japan three and a half years. Not only that, he would see his pilot, his engineer gunner, both lined up in front of a firing squad and shot because they would not tell any secrets, and he was put into solitary confinement. You know that studies show that solitary confinement for 30 days is life-changing. 60 days, almost unbearable. They kept Jacob de Shazer in solitary confinement for almost three years. 34 months in a little metal coop hardly big enough for a few chickens. What had it, had it done to him? What did he think about? all alone for 34 months. When the war was over, his camp was liberated. He was allowed to come home. He got to California and shortly after seeing family and friends, decided to go to seminary. And when he was graduated, he went back to Japan and was a missionary for the next 30 years. The God of Jacob the God of our Lord Jesus wishes peace, breaking of the bow, shattering of the spear, burning of the shields. Peace. For peace to come. Let's go to verse 10. One that Katharina loves so much. Be still and know that I am God. Our scholars say, this is not a good translation. It's the one you still have in your new Revised Standard Version. I suspect those who translated it thought it was just such a well-known psalm they couldn't change the words. When Dr. Bruce Metzger came to give our Barton Clinton Gordy series, he was the chair of that committee of 34 scholars who spent 17 years producing the new Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And he said, one thing we knew, you can't fool around with the 23rd Psalm. They must have decided you can't fool around with the 46th Psalm either. Because scholar after scholar that I read this week said, this is not a good translation, be still. Instead, it should be, stop it. One said, cease your warring madness. A 
few weeks ago, Dr. Bill Kroll and others working with him in committee, but he, leading the effort, helped put together a banquet for us to celebrate 25 years of interfaith communication, dialogue and trialogue here in Tulsa. It was a wonderful evening. Yolanda Charney, Nancy Day, Sister Sylvia Smith, these three women had so much to do with those early years. When Sister Sylvia finally was retired, I asked, Where, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going home to San Antonio, Texas. She said, I haven't worn a habit in years now, but I'm going to put my habit on. Friends here in Tulsa had given her a very nice rocking chair for her retirement. She said, I'm going to ask the police in San Antonio, what is the worst corner in this city? Where the prostitutes sell themselves and where drug dealers are doing deals day and night. I want to know where that worst corner is. I'm going to put on my habit, take my rocking chair, sit down on the corner and say, stop it. Stop it. Stop it, she said. I'm just going to say as many hours as I can sit there, stop that. Stop that. And that's what this scripture means, according to the scholars. In fact, the, the rabbis themselves use the word desist. Desist. If you follow the God of Jacob, if you follow Israel's God, if you are disciples of the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, then you desist from making war and you set, seek out to make peace. Father Paul Coutinho is a Jesuit, Roman Catholic priest from India. Father Kutenho says that when he was a boy, his godmother, godfather figured very prominently in his life. That the Roman Catholic Church, where he grew up, took this business of godmother, godfather very seriously. They were expected to teach a child the ways of God if anything happened to the birth parents. Said when he was a boy, this godmother, whom he loved so very much and had been so wonderful to him, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he said, though she was a woman of God, after her diagnosis, she had an even deeper experience with the Almighty. And she told her family that she was not praying that she would get well. She didn't think that was going to happen. But that she was going to pray that the best medical people in the world, with God's help, would find a cure for the next person before he or she got sick. Just before the end, she asked her husband late one day if she could have a piece of paper and a pencil. He'd get one for her. He said, sure. He thought perhaps she was going to write down her last will and testament. Instead, she wrote down several of the simplest recipes she had so he could feed their small children. Followers of the God of Jacob do the things that move toward peace, help, food, and drink, and medical care. Stop your warring madness and do the things that lead to peace. Number four, twice this poet says, the God of Jacob is our refuge, our refuge, uh, our strength and help. Yesterday at lunch, our son Trey and his wife Allison were asking Gail and me if we'd seen one of the television programs on Friday night. We had not. Uh, we had gone to the ballet. 
do I not get gold stars for taking my wife to the ballet? <laughs> I tell you, I take Gail to all the ballets. We went to the ballet, but as they were telling us about this program they had seen on television Friday night, I had seen excerpts from that show several different mornings last week. Early morning on the Today Show. I turned on that particular channel and Matt Lauer was interviewing first one couple and on Friday two couples and a young lady. And it was all about a horrible accident on the highways be two years ago next month. In April 2006 this happened. From Taylor University, a van of young women were being transported when a big 18-wheel truck, for some reason, crossed a median, struck this van, and left bodies lying all over the turnpike. Five of these college young women dead, pronounced dead, on the scene by the first troopers to arrive. Calls needed to be made right away, and a call went to the parents of a young woman named Laura, the mother answered the phone. She was told about this horrible accident. Five we know are dead. Your daughter is alive. She's been rushed to the hospital. She's going to need brain surgery. We will put in a tube to help reduce swelling. Uh, by the time you can get here, her head will be bandaged. Her face will be horribly swollen. She will be on a life support system. Just be expecting the sight you're going to see. One of the five who had died was named Whitney, and her mother and father decided that they didn't want to see the mangled body of their daughter killed in the accident. Uh, they would have an open, uh, closed casket funeral a few days later. So the five who had died all were properly buried after, after celebrations of their young lives, and Laura's mother and father set by this girl day and night, one or the other, all the time for five weeks. And finally, she started to stir for the first time in five weeks. And a nurse asked, what is your name? And she said, Whitney. She didn't say Laura. She said, Whitney. Wrong girl for these parents. Can you imagine anything more horrible than to realize your daughter was one of the ones killed and now another set of parents have to be called and told the young woman you buried was not your daughter. Your daughter's in the hospital. Well, Whitney recovered two years later. She's beautiful. Both of these young women were blonde, had similarly colored eyes and so on. Tragic thing, but Matt Lauer asked a couple of questions that I thought were just terrible. One, he asked, where's the anger? Where's the anger, he said. You see, Matt lets a lot of people come on the Today Show and then express their anger. When John Ritter died, you may recall, um, his widow came on the Today Show and talked about how horribly her husband was treated, that he was brought to a hospital with chest pains and he was treated for a heart attack, but instead he had an aortic aneurysm which burst and he died just in a matter of a few minutes. So she sued and the hospital paid her $9 million. And they let her come back on again, and she said now she was suing all the doctors that had any part in it whatsoever for $45 million. And when a jury said they didn't believe these doctors were responsible, they let her come back on and spew her anger again that, well, she should have gotten that $45 million. Matt Lauer said, where's the anger? And both sets of parents said, 
from the first troopers who arrived at the scene to every medical person at the hospital, we felt that every person was doing the best he or she could do. Everybody did the best they could do. And then Matt Lauer looked at the father who had sat by that bed for five weeks only to find out the young woman whose hand he was holding, the one for whom he had been praying, was not his daughter. I can tell you are religious people, he said. When you got home that night, you must have screamed, Why? Why our daughter? Why did she die? Why did Whitley, Whitney live? And this father said, I didn't. Not once. Not once. And Matt said, really? And the father said, we believe, we know the heart of God. We believe when five young women died on that highway, it broke the heart of God. And when Whitney survived, God celebrated with her mother and father. And for the five who died, we believe God received them into his everlasting arms. Through Jesus of Nazareth, we believe we know the heart of God. Amen.